to our beautiful deep community, I want to assure you the deeper is going nowhere and the same incredible content will be released every week, but now through Arise. It is going to be less trauma heavy and more inspirational, uplifting, but it will still challenge and push you to grow. For all your deeper episodes, they are still available every fortnight. You can still get your deep hit with the deeper subscription. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The children themselves can be classed as intersex if you basically look at genitals and you don't really know. Um, intersex can be used for a variety of situations. So it could be a person who's born with, you know, male reproductive organs but looks female on the outside and, and vice versa. Welcome to The Deep. I'm Zoe Marshall. In my early 20s, a lot of traumatic things happened. And ever since then, I have had this fascination with people and their stories. This is The Deep. The birth of your first child is miraculous. It's a moment in time that you will never forget. But what happens if you find out four weeks before birth that your child is intersex? You may be thinking right now, what does that even mean? In hospital and society, we are put into boxes. When we're born, the doctors tick either girl or boy. But for many people, this isn't the case. This is one mother's story of her experience. It will differ to others in the intersex community or those who are intersex parents. I ask you to listen to this story as one of many in the intersex community. As always, with an open heart and mind. Rebecca, welcome to The Deep. Hi, Zoe. I know that you were apprehensive about sharing your story today, so I really commend you for being brave. What makes you anxious or nervous about sharing this story? Um, I guess the biggest thing is it's about my child. And I think when you become a parent, um, protecting them against any negativity or judgment is I guess, your biggest priority. Mm, I understand that. Okay, so let's go back uh, about five years and you were quite young, a a new mama-to-be. Can you tell us what happened at one of your scans or how that pregnancy was up until then and then about that scan? So I was a newly married person um, at 20 years old and you know it was exciting um, I was pregnant I was having a girl um, it was just so exciting getting ready for it and then in the January I was around 32 weeks we were getting closer but all of a sudden 
in the scan, my OB, who was, I can't even fault him, um, was like, well, the genitals look ambiguous. And I actually had my niece with me um, at the time. She was about seven years old. It was her birthday. So I was like, let's go see um, your niece. Um, come with me. And I'm sitting there with her and going, what does that word even mean? You know, I was 21 years old. And then straight away it was like, it means that we actually don't know if it's a girl. Um, maybe it's a boy. Uh, we need to do further testing, which involved an amniocentesis. And again, I was like, what is all, the, all of this that's happening? And for those people that don't know, can you tell them what an amniocentesis is? So an amniocentesis is normally performed on high-risk pregnancies um, in the early stages of the pregnancy, like I think it's under 10 weeks, and it's where they put the needle in, I think, into the sac or the uterus. Um, in this case, I did my uterus um, to test the genetics of that child. Okay, so you go through that. That feels like that would be quite a scary test because there's a high risk of is it miscarriage through so in the early stages it's miscarriage for me I did it three weeks later at 35 weeks um because it's and it's a high risk of breaking your waters early hence the Uh, slight delay um uh yeah (laughs) okay so you had to wait a couple of weeks to get the test and then to get the Mm. results Mm. so this whole pregnancy you thought you were having a girl yeah and what happened when you get got your results back so the results showed a um, karyotype or sex chromosomes of 70 percent uh xo and uh, 30% XY. So what that meant is she was 70% Turner's syndrome girl and 30% male. Okay, so then what do you do with that information? Uh, It was hell. Um, By the time I was 38 weeks pregnant, I had sat on this information um, I Googled everything possible and let me tell you to any mamas to be, don't Google anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined a Facebook group that was purely for mothers with these children um, and I ended up pushing my OB to introduce me at 38 weeks, which um, I, I couldn't hack it anymore. I was in bed every day. I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. Just the fear of the unknown is it really is crippling. So you give birth and you must have this anticipation to know what's going on. What happens when when the baby's born? For me, and this was probably one of the hardest things, silence when she was born, just silence. From the baby or from the staff? From everyone the whole room was silent baby was okay um you know she wasn't screaming her lungs out but you know she was fine um silence it's like it wasn't whilst the best day of my life now that I know who she is it wasn't it wasn't like that 
overwhelming moment where it's like, oh my goodness, I've just given birth to this baby. Like, that's my child. Like, you had that, but you had this immense amount of fear. And was the midwife and the obstetrician silent? They were silent in a sense that they'd never had this situation before. My OB knew about it and, you know, he set up everything. All the doctors that she needed to see within the first 48 hours, he did everything. You know, even down to like waiving the cost of my epidural, he was absolutely amazing and so supportive. But it's like you don't know what to say because... You couldn't, I couldn't even say the sex of the baby at that point, you know, because what if it was a boy or what if it was a girl? You just didn't know. Okay. And so for everyone, if they're not sure by this conversation, what an intersex child is, do you want to just give a description of what that means? Just to be really clear for everyone. What her defined condition is mixed gonadal degenesis, which is the condition that ultimately affects how the body grows and develops from birth through to puberty. The children themselves can be classed as intersex if you basically look at genitals and you don't really know. Um, Intersex can be used for a variety of situations. So it could be a person who's born with you know, male reproductive organs, but looks female on the outside and, and vice versa. Um, you just don't necessarily know. They're, they don't have a perfect fit, if you could, if you want to put it that way. If, you know, society, you're either female or male. They don't have um, one. They have both, basically. This feels like it's quite important to you this the gender like it's a I mean I I think by society's terms it feels like a normal thing it's either a boy or a girl and you've learned through your experience there's another category do you feel like some part of that joy was stolen from you on that day I think so um and I think that was because we found out everything so late in the pregnancy and you'd just never heard of it before. You know, there's all these um, things that babies can be born with um, that you know about, but having an, you know, what's classed as an intersex child, it's not talked about in society. It's like this veil of silence and no one wants to acknowledge it. Mm. And that must be the hardest thing is you're learning about this whilst going through with it and trying to navigate what, what it all means. So I guess the, a really hard part of this story to talk about is coming up and that is, and it would be really hard for any intersex people listening right now as well. Like I just, there's a big trigger warning around this because it is such a personal experience to you, Rebecca, how this is your story and this would be so different for different parents and children and adults that are intersex but for your experience could you help us understand what happened when the doctor said it's a it's a boy it's a girl it's intersex so we were at a specialist which was um, at a different hospital within 24 hours of me giving birth Um, so I didn't really have much time you know thankfully it was a natural birth Um, you know we were on the road um, of the hospital to see 
again, an absolutely amazing doctor. Um, he is referred to as an endocrinologist and he took us to an ultrasound. He spoke to us in his office about family histories, what it could be, how this happens, um, what to expect. You know, there's worst case, there's best case, and there's sort of the ones in the middle. Um, you know, he'd sort of give a reference to any people he had dealt with in the past that, you know, obviously not violating anyone's privacy. And by the end of it, we sat in the hospital with him in one of the waiting rooms. It was quiet. It was about seven o'clock at night. And he sat with us for like two hours going through pros and cons of rearing your child a boy, pros and cons of rearing your child as a girl, and then the facts, mm -hmm. what's present on the scan, what the testing came up with from the amniocentesis and basically said, it is your decision. I can't sway you, but these are the facts. So did they want you to make a choice? It's not that you have to make a choice, um, but, you know, even down to the birth certificate, it's female or male, down to any form that you fill out for your child. I think now it's changing because I believe I've seen it on some, you know, prefer not to say is the other option, but it doesn't, it, it's just male or female. Um, and I guess being swept up in that whole new mum bubble I guess part of you, whether wrong or right, still wants to say, is this a boy or a girl? Did anyone counsel you on the option of just allowing your child to be intersex and not making a choice? No. Um, I had done a lot of research reading um, and I was involved in a group of women on Facebook who uh, some of them had sort of said intersex um, is what their child was until they were old enough to make a decision. Mm. But I found it, um, the way it was being done, very confusing for me. Mm. Um, and I felt that it wouldn't be the right decision for my child. Okay. Do you remember some of the pros and cons of being a male versus female in this situation? So the I guess the cons of being a male was that um, she didn't have any of the male reproductive organs. All you could see basically was termed a phallus, but f male would be a penis, female would be a clitoris. So it's a bit open of me. Um, but her phallus was very swollen. So when she was born, I was like, oh, it's a boy. Um, but when, you know, you had a look, it was just a swollen clitoris. Um so she had a uterus, she had one fallopian tube, um, she had one ovary and one gonad that was half descended to a testy. Um, so the cons of a male was you basically need to do a whole surgery to form a penis, mm -hmm. um, testicles, like a proper sack for the testicles. Mm -hmm. um, for the female, the cons would be that her clitoris is large and there are very judgmental people out there. Um, but the pro, uh, I guess a con there would be maybe she wants to have surgery down um, the track, her choice, of course, um, to reduce the size. And that puts her at risk of losing sensitivity. And, you know, whilst it's not something you want to think about as your child, losing sensitivity when you're an adult, you know, your sexual life, it's a big part of your life. It's a big deal, you know? yes. Um, and I don't want her to blame 
us for that. So it needs to be something she decides. But the the pros, I guess, were she was female. You know, she had a fallopian tube. She had a small uterus. Don't know if she can carry a child yet, but there is a uterus there. So for us, I guess that's why we made that decision because right or wrong, it was how many surgeries this child had to go through, how much pain this child had to go through. So we made that decision with good intentions and, you know, within 48 hours we had a girl. So are you saying that they they did the first operation within the first 48 hours? No, within the first 40 hours, 48 hours we simply chose that, you know, hi everyone, we've welcomed our girl. Okay. What were your next steps? So unfortunately for her, um, the next steps actually involved her going into kidney failure. So with a Turner's child, um, they can have problems with their kidneys. Uh, and within 48 hours, she had not peed, um, 48 hours of me giving birth. And she very quickly went into kidney failure. I think your creatinine levels, which is the kidneys, are supposed to sit around 75. Hers were up around 280. So we got back from the other hospital and came back to where she was born. And I was sitting on the bed. You know, I've, I've got a daughter. Look at her. She's gorgeous, even though she looks like a father. I was so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> and... um the pediatrician who to this day um, looks after her came in, worst moment of my life, Zoe, they snatched her from my arms. Um, they took her over into the nursery. This was a private hospital. I could hear her screaming and the nurse, uh, one of the midwives stood at our door with it closed and they said, you cannot leave this room. You are going to hear your child scream. And we sat there bawling our eyes out. Um, and I said, what is going on? And mm. they said, your daughter is going into kidney failure and we need to do something now. Um, so about an hour after that, I went into the nursery and she was so tiny. She was born 2.4 kilos. She was tiny. Um, and she was hooked up to so many machines. She had an IV in one arm. She had an IV in the other arm. You know, she had the heart rate monitor on. It was just, it, it was just, oh, I can't even begin to describe it. It was just mm. one roadblock after another. Had they discussed the kidney operation with you? Like, how can they just take your child? How does this all work? So, and why is she so, like... Was she awake for the operation? Why was she screaming? It wasn't an operation. It was just being hooked up to IV. So basically she had had a blood test, um, mm. which they do for children to check for cystic fibrosis and things like that. And because of the fact she was born ambiguous, they decided to do a whole panel. And it's at that point where I was saying, hey, she hasn't peed. And they've also just found out that her creatinine levels are so high um, that they just had to, like, they acted so quickly. Um, And basically they hooked up to all these machines to get water into her to basically flush the kidneys as a last resort before they had to say she needs to be transported to another hospital where they may have to operate. Okay, so tiny baby, very stressful circumstances for you and and for her. What's your next step as a mother? I mean, you're 
nurturing her to be well from from this kidney failure do you what is your next steps for her to become female so it was basically done she was a female um her genitals just looked swollen sure um but the next biggest, um, I guess, milestone was at four months she had to undergo an MRI mm-hmm. and she had to be put to sleep for this because she was so young. And that was to basically get a really good look at what was going on with those kidneys, the ovaries, the uterus, things like that. Um, she couldn't come out of her anesthesia. Um, it was like, the worst thing they said, Oh, it'll be an hour, you know, three hours had gone past. And my husband and I are standing there going, what is going on? Where is our baby? They came out to get me and they said, look, she's not coming out of it. She's her body temperature is not coming up. She's still sitting around 36 or so. They had her rugged up. Uh, They're like, we just want you as a mum to come in there and, you know, nurture her, give her hugs, talk to her. We need to try and get her out of this. Mm. So, Terrifying. Yeah, you, I just went in there and it's like you're looking at this lifeless baby. Um, but thankfully within about half an hour um, she'd come back to normal and, you know, she had to be taken to the ward for monitoring and, you know, then she was the loved baby being shown around by the nurses doing a tour of the patient well she just sort of fully came out of it and so it it was it ended up being quite cute in the end but a very terrifying moment at that point at the same time I believe they did I don't know what it's called but they basically put a tube in through the urethra and up through there to see and put a bit of ink or something and look at um, the urine tract uh, the urethra to see where the urine would come out if there was any leakages, which was a common problem resulting in um, urinary tract infections, and making sure that the pee hole was set up like a female. Mm-hmm. Um, quite often with males, they have um, the urine opening halfway down their penis or set up as a female but with a penis. So um, thankfully uh, she was set up according to a female, uh, so really the only trait that she had was a swollen phallus that could be mistaken for a penis. She is a girl now and you're raising her as a girl. Mm. And does that mean that you don't have to interfere medically in any way? Jenny has still got a variety of other issues. Um, at 11 months, she did undergo surgery to remove gonads. So as I said, it's either ovary or testy. Um, she had one ovary and one half descended testy. So it was sort of in her lower abdomen. Mm-hmm. And they were removed because they're called a streak gonad. Um, so a streak gonad is basically an underdeveloped gonad, ovary or testy. Um, that has a high probability of forming into cancer. Oh, wow. So um, that was our next step um, was it, her situation went to a panel uh, for two top hospitals in New South Wales to basically discuss amongst the teams as to whether or not it was the right decision. And based on their testing, it was definitely um, something that had to be done. 
does that then mean that other intersex children, if say the parent just wants to raise them intersex, mm. could those streak organs still be cancer that could be cancerous? Is that something that they need to just keep an eye on? I, I believe so. Um to be honest, uh the women that were in that group um, I actually left the group within sort of a week of giving birth um, simply because they did not hold the same view that I did and they did not believe I made the right decision rearing my child as a female. I, I guess it comes down to their individual choice, whether or not they keep those gonads. Okay. But, you're, but, but in your circumstance, that could have turned cancerous. Cancerous, yeah. I think it depends on how far they've developed as well um, as to what the chance is. For my child, her team of um, specialists were basically just saying, look, this is the safest thing for her. Okay. Um, so I went with, I went on medical advice, right or wrong. I always said to my husband, let's go with what the doctors say. And if we don't agree, let's talk about it some more um, and go from there. Okay, and let's go back to the Facebook group. So this is made up of intersex parents mm. and you went on the forum and told them that you had decided a sex for your child. Mm-hmm. Um, and what does that community feel? They just thought that it wasn't right for me to decide the sex for my child. Um, they, I felt like I was being attacked Um, And as a new mother still in the hospital, my child is in, you know, intensive care recovering from kidney failure. It was like probably the lowest point I had been at, Um, you know, forget baby blues. This was, you know, (laughs) taking over. Um, They basically just said that it's a decision you should be letting your child make. Um, You know, the doctors just want you to do what society wants you to do, which is conform and either have male or female. Um, And I just couldn't really convey my point over social media. So I just, you know, I just said, look, I'm going to decide to leave the group. Um, Thank you all. And I wish them well. And and that was that. How do you feel about that now? I mean, Jenny is older. Do you feel like, do they have a point? Look, I don't like to dwell on the past, but I still think I made the right decision. I mean, You've seen a photo of her and anyone who looks at her will just think that she's this beautiful young girl, you know. Um, I still stand by my decision um, only because even if I had have gone male or intersex, I still feel like no matter what decision I made, there was always going to be repercussions. Mm. How is her health now, after that initial operation, was there more or has she been operation-free since 11 months? So she has been operation-free. She So she's obviously still got the issue of the kidneys, um, but at this point, you know, effectively she's got kidney disease. Um, you know, at this point she's never had a urinary tract infection, which is so common, like it's sort of a 
something that would happen two to three times a year for these children at very best or on average. Um, mm-hmm. She's never had one to date, knock on wood. Um, she's also got an aortic bicuspid valve, and I know you're going to ask me what that is. I don't know the breakdown of it, but it's something to do with one of the valves in her heart has three, uh, has two exits rather than three for the blood flow, something like that. Okay. Um, so that gets monitored as well um and a minor thing but she also needs glasses so I guess when we found out that it for me it was sort of another thing you know just another thing for this child to worry about so it sounds like we focus on it being about the genitals but it's actually genetically different things in the body are playing out so the way I was explained is it's genetically it's the way you're, it's imprinted on your brain. That's how our endocrinologist explained it when we visited within 24 hours of the birth. Um, and he basically said, you know, let's take me, for instance, a, a normal female born without any issues, no health issues, nothing like that. Um, he basically said, I could still have too much testosterone imprinted on my brain so or imprinted within me on my brain wherever it is. So I may still sway towards a masculine identity. Um, you know, that might be what happens in what we call in society tomboys. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it's not about the genitals. It's more about, I guess, your genetic makeup and how things happen. Some women carry too much testosterone and that carries over to the womb if they're carrying a perfectly healthy girl with no issues with their chromosome. Gosh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it feels like we focus in on the gender and the genitals, but it's actually more than that. There is a way of testing it, and she did undergo that within a week. It was a blood test that basically tested um, something about her the test levels of testosterone in her body, um, and I think that was another thing that helped us make our decision because I was explained that it's a scale of 1 to 10 with most boys being a four and over and girls being a four and under um, and she was a level two so if you look at that in perspective it doesn't necessarily mean she's a girl but it was just another thing that helped us say this was the right decision for us and you don't have any regrets on your choice I don't know and how is Jenny in the world does she feel confident and comfortable has she ever had questions come up for her um look she's confident with her family she's loved um most people do not know about um the original cause of this which is the the intersex they just know about the kidneys um and they all say she's such a caring soul you know she would give you hugs 24-7 and not have enough. She'll run and give someone a hug if you ask her to. She has this way of making your day brighter. Mm. Um, She's at school and performing average, you know, which that's fine to me. She's an airhead, if I'm honest with you. You you say go and put your shoes on and she's got to make a stop on her way and then she comes back and says, what did you ask me to do? Um, But she's loved. Um, you know she's got this amazing group of cousins and you know 
my sister-in-law has her kids here on almost a daily basis and she's adored. They have friendships. They're legitimately best friends and they look after each other and it's it's amazing that she has this. If, If she didn't have this network, I would be worried. That's so fantastic. So she hasn't, I mean, she's still quite young, but she hasn't come to you and said, I feel different or you know, am I different in any way, mum? She hasn't come to me, but if I had to classify her, I would say she is a tomboy. Um, She's walking around the house in a Superman costume right now. Mm -hmm. Um, She loves to play with DC, Marvel and all that. But in saying that, so does her sister. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because as a mother I go, did I make the right choice? She's playing with superheroes and she loves dinosaurs and animals. But I don't ask that question when my youngest does the same thing. And it's funny because it's it's the way society, I guess, imposes that girls play with babies and, and Barbie dolls and LOL dolls. And when I think back, I never played with those things. I played Batman and Robin with the boys and mm. I was bike riding on trail bikes with my brothers. I... I never thought that I was a boy. And if you ask her, you know, Jenny, what are you? She says, I'm a girl. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. It's really interesting because toys and play don't have gender, you know, and it's you're right society makes us feel like we have to fit in a box or do certain things Mm. when she gets to the age you know perhaps she puberty or, or she's experiencing things and hormonal shifts when do you feel is the right time to tell her Oh, Zoe, I don't think there's ever really a right time. Um, If I'm being brutally honest, it's going to be the hardest thing um, for me. But the right time will be when she asks as well. Um, We always said that we will be honest and we will follow her. If she has a question, we will answer it honestly, but bearing in mind her age at the time, um, age appropriate, obviously. she did. She was in a situation a few weeks ago where my nephew, um, who absolutely adores her, um, is 18 months younger than her, and she went to the toilet and he obviously saw and he asked her, which, you know, is such a normal boy thing, um, do you want to have a pee-pee fight? You know, funny to think about. It's, you know, I'm sure that your younger one will do the same thing. It's, it's a boy thing. That mm-hmm. It's like a... I don't know, it's just what they do. And she was really confronted by it. And um, I came upstairs looking for her and she was on her bed um, hiding under her pillow. And I said to her, what happened? And she goes, oh, well, he just asked if I could have a pee-pee fight and 
I said, I didn't want to because I don't have a pee-pee. And she was quite, you know, she didn't know what to do. And I said, look, that's okay. You know, I've got to encourage her that everyone's private parts um, are different. Um, everyone looks different. Nobody looks the same. Mm-hmm. And that's why we just, we don't let people look at our private areas at school and stuff. We don't share to- toilets because it's it's a private area. We're not sort of, you know, standing out there naked. Um, so I guess for me, it's just to avoid her confrontation of what I would refer refer to as bullies and stuff at school because she has already been bullied. Mm. It's really just reinforcing that, you know, when we go to the toilet, we close the door. And what did you explain to her nephew or did you just let that go? I let it go only because I I told my sister-in-law and she sort of said to him, look, that's not on. Um, but in saying that he's a four-year-old and he doesn't understand, mm. um, my sister-in-law did the right thing. Um, it's just their children. Yeah. Um, you know, and my sister-in-law just gave her a big hug. She's, you know, considering the background of my sister-in-law and my husband, they've been the most supportive and the most on-board people you could ever ask for. Because I'd like to talk about your husband and his role in all of this and his reactions and experience. What was that like for him? It was hard for him, but I think he knew it was harder for me. Um, Considering he comes from a background where you just didn't really see children born with any sort of disability impairment, whatever you want to label it. Um, it was hard, you know, and no one in our family had heard of this intersex thing. But I actually think what got him through was also the strength of his sister. Her and I are completely different people, two different souls, you know, living somewhat different lives. But I commend her for how accepting she is of Jenny and how warm she is. She, you know, gives that support that really makes it easier for us as parents, but mainly for my husband. I think he really needed, you know, his sister on board and accepting of it because it's his only sibling. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what made him so incredible. His, his thought is, well, if she chooses that she wants to be a boy, let's follow her path. If she wants that have surgery, let's follow her path. You know, it it, it is what it is. Because I guess you take me to the next point of what if she resents the choice and what if she says, I wish I got to choose and I don't want to be Jenny, I want to be a male. What happens Mm. then? I guess what we need to remember as parents is that your child could say that to you without having any of this background um, that she's gone through. Mm. Your child can be born, you know, a male and turn around and say, I, I feel like a female mom, mm. you know, and go on to have a sex change and identify as female. Um, if she does come to us and say that, we have a team for that. She will probably eventually require, um, you know, counselling to a certain extent, depending on, I guess, how she takes everything on board. Mm. Uh, But that's what we're here for. And 
maybe there will be resentment, but as a parent, I guess we have to acknowledge that there's, I think there's always going to be resentment from our children at some point in life. They're never going to 100% agree with our decisions, whether it's something minor or major, mm. but we just have to find a way through it and make sure that she has that support, which is why I'm so grateful for the extended family. Mm. Do you feel like prior to this experience or even giving birth, would you have had an opinion or judgment on intersex people? In all honesty, I don't think so. I am someone that is, I tend to stand back. I don't like confrontation and I tend to stand back and say, I don't have an opinion. Um, and, and I really don't only because I think you do what is right for you. If you want, if you identify as gay or as a lesbian or as transgender or as intersex, I'm never going to judge anybody any different for that. You know, I've interacted with children who have Down syndrome, autism, um, you know, severe global delay. I've interacted with so many different people that I'm just the type of person who's always said, you do you, basically. Mm. Um, and I would never judge for that. Mm. It's such an interesting conversation. If you could go back and tell yourself anything in those really early hours after giving birth, would you change anything? Would you comfort Rebecca in a different way or would you just say you've got this? I'd say that you've got this because she's so caring. She's got the brightest smile and of course any parent is going to say that but like you saw in the photo she beams mm. she's loved and she brings so much warmth to this family it's unbelievable um so I would just say that you've got this and she is perfect no matter what do your friendship groups and extended family know I mean it's not really anyone's business but does anyone know about Jenny being intersex or do you just keep it down low and just tell the really close people that need to know? My immediate family knows, but that being said, one person went and told somebody who I don't even know, um, you know, straight away. And the excuse was, well, I was processing it as well. And my, my response was, but it wasn't your business to tell. So that was quite a confronting situation. Um, and it resulted in six months of not no talking, but I guess a break, um, if I can put it that way. Another person um, also told their friend, I know this friend, um, but I'm not close with that person. And I just thought, again, it's not your place to tell people. Mm. And it was treated as though like, oh my God, like, look what happened to Rebecca's baby. Um, and that same person also, you know, when they first met the baby, when they walked in the door, the first thing that they said was, oh, for once I'm lighter than you. In what terms does that of kilos, mean? As in, oh. yeah. So to a new mother, it was sort of like, okay. Oh, that's um, so weird. And the second thing they said was, can I see? As in, <gasps> can I see what's in the nappy and as to how different she looks? Oh, goodness. Yeah. The relationship with that person is 
fine now. Um, but I feel like the only person who I feel, and it's so bad um, because they're not my family, the only person I feel a hundred million percent to look after that child and never judge and always have her as number one would be my sister-in-law. Wow. Because those two people I just spoke about were on my family. Wow. That gives me shivers. It's just hard, isn't it? Because... You know, I'm an incredibly open-minded person. I was raised that way by my mum. And um, you just don't know what you would do in a situation until you were put there. I think I know what I would do, but you really don't. Mm. And I think it's incredibly brave for you to come on and share your truth in the ups and downs of that and what that looks like. Mm. And I hope that people understand that this is your story yeah. and only your story and you chose to do what you thought was best as a mother because it is controversial and I know people will have strong feelings about either way. But our final question today is who are you when no one's watching? Quiet, uh, someone who loves alone time um, to – I guess, take in my thoughts and I guess just sit there and um, really understand who I am um, when I'm not sort of amongst the buzz of working and with my children. I I just, I'm a quiet person by myself. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. I think it's going to be incredibly eye-opening and insightful for so many people. So I appreciate your time. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Deep. If it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests, please hit us up by direct message on Instagram at What's The Deep. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi everybody, it is Zoe here. Change is coming to the deep. I want to welcome you to Arise. It's uplifting, it's quirky, it's curious. It's all about the mindset and self-discovery to be more helpful and of service. During 16 of the Deep, you'll hear some of these episodes and I'd love to hear what you think of them over on our Instagram at What's the Deep.